Good morning. I'm Joanna Roche with the Mariah Mitchell Association, and you're listening to The Nature of Nantucket. Today, my guest is Janelle Gurley, who's recently joined our staff as the Director of Science and Programs. Welcome, Janelle. Thank you for having me, Joanna. I'm excited that you're here, and I'd love to uh, just start with introducing you to Nantucket as our new Director of Science and Programs and, and talk a little bit about how you came to the island. Well, I moved to Nantucket back in December of 2013, so next year I'll be coming up on 10 years as a wash ashore. And interestingly enough, a relationship, a previous relationship led me to the island, but I always say that it led me exactly where I was supposed to be in this time and space. And it led me to working at the animal hospital prior, as well as to working in the public school district. And now it's led me on this new branch of my journey with Mariah Mitchell. Tell us a little bit about your background, like where, where did you grow up and what was your life like? I was raised in Port of Spain, Trinidad and Tobago, which is the southernmost Caribbean island. And growing up, I was raised in a very blended family, which we had a lot of love for learning and a lot of love for, you know, just learning by doing, really. I remember spending my childhood days playing in my grandmother's backyard and digging into the earth and making mud pies and just, you know, playing by myself and just learning by discovery. And I remember distinctly always doing my, my times tables with my grandmother after school. It was a household in which learning was always of top priority, but also learning by play and discovery. So in terms of my background, I was raised in, you know, a, just a very diverse family background with several different religions, several, several different family members that we lived with. I lived with my aunts, with my mom, with my grandmother. It was just a very rich childhood from an educational and nurturing perspective. And I went to Catholic school my entire life. So I also learned from the nuns. And from a very young age, I just had a strong interest in reading as well as in science. And interestingly enough, science did not always come very easily to me at first, neither did mathematics. And it was very fun or poignant rather that I went on to teach math and science at the secondary level. <laughs> but I would say that my resilience and my determination to master something that I was not initially or I didn't feel confident at, at first, that really drove the strong yearn and desire to learn more about the world around me. And that led me to Massachusetts, where I studied chemistry, general chemistry for my undergraduate degree, my bachelor's of science at American International College. And I always say that chemistry is a subject of grit and character, and it really has a way of developing people into becoming their true selves. So I was very fortunate that I had great teachers along the way in my secondary high school career that led me on this path of science. So you think it was your childhood that drew you to science? I would say absolutely my childhood and my upbringing. I was one of the very few, and my family's very artistic in nature. I cannot dance and everyone in my family is very creative and artistic. They either do some type of art form. And I was the kid that just loved reading. I loved reading and learning. And from my very young days, I just remember reading about all of the scientists of the world, the ones that they tell us about, right? And then 
continuing on my journey of just learning and discovering about more really cool and interesting people. I was like, oh my God, I can totally do this. I can, you know, play a significant part in trying to change the world that we live in. So definitely my upbringing and being raised on an island in the Caribbean and wanting to learn and do more drove me to a degree in science. And then when you came here and on, on this like wild island journey, you worked at the mm-hmm. animal hospital and you, I think you, you had some other interesting jobs too. So but t- let's stick with the animal hospital for a moment. What did you learn yes. from working at the animal hospital? At the animal hospital, I learned, let's see, I learned a lot of things. I learned veterinary anesthesia, which was a my self-proclaimed specialty, but I really learned how to manage a laboratory in an animal setting. So I procured more husbandry skills and more animal technical and care skills during my stay at the animal hospital. You know, I just, I was able to spend a lot of time with animals, which they're always my first love. Uh, Yes. And so that's uh, very applicable for your time here at the Mariah Mitchell Association. (laughs) It is. I have to say though, we tend to have more (laughs) or rather less four-legged creatures than I am used to, but I am very excited to get more comfortable with organisms that I have not spent a lot of time with in close relations like snakes. (laughs) (laughs) I see. So in addition to your anesthetic skills and Mm -hmm. your you know, comfort level with the animal kingdom. What what else from your time on Nantucket? So in my short time on Nantucket, I've, you know, I've had a bunch of different roles. I've worked as a personal assistant to a family privately out in Wisconsin. I have worked in retail on an island. What else have I done? I have babysat a lot of kids on <laughs> island, especially my first few years. And also I, at one point in time, when we had to close our boarding facility at the animal hospital, me and a few other of the technicians, as well as the boarding staff, we took it upon ourselves to kind of figure out how to house all of the reservations that we had that summer. And from that, I was able to build a dog walking, dog sitting and dog care business for a short period of time. And right when I tra- around the time that I transitioned to my career at the high school, I dialed that skill back a little bit just because it became a lot met just focusing on my master's at that point something had to leave the table so I scaled back a lot on my animal care post-animal hospital but I'm looking forward to just being more involved with all animals and all creatures going forward but I'm very versatile and I've had a hand at a lot of different things on island (laughs) (laughs) and then most recently you were at the high school and tell us a little bit about what you were doing there. Was. So for the last six years, I spent at Nantucket High School, primarily working for the public school district. And my first year, I worked as a teaching assistant. And one of my dearest friends to date, Andrew Selly, was the one who led me to that job, surprisingly enough. It was through the debrief at the end of the day, his dog had gotten spayed at the animal hospital. And he always has this, this quality about him, seeing how tall people are and just figuring out if they've played volleyball previously. And he's like, you look like a volleyball player. I'm like, I am. He's like, you should come coach with us. And it was just like this casual conversation that turned into me meeting with Dr. John Bucky at the time off the street, essentially. And it was a very serendipitous thing. He was like, I'm actually looking for teaching assistants. He's like, do you have any experience working with kids? I'm like, funny you ask that. I have tons of experience working with kids, especially working in urban programs from my college days. And I met with the superintendent at the time, Mike Kozort, and it was just something that 
was supposed to be a part of my journey. So I started off as a teaching assistant working in primarily English, science, and math classrooms. And over the course of that year was when I realized that it was within my vocation and my calling to work with kids in an education capacity. And then I started off on this journey of getting certified to teach math. So I spent my first two years as a teacher teaching primarily Algebra 1, Algebra 2, as well as Introduction to Algebra and Geometry. And then there was an opening in science, which is always my first home. And even though I was more than willing to stay within the math department, we had a need for a science teacher at that time. And I went on to get my certification in chemistry. And I spent the last, what are we at, three years? Three years teaching primarily chemistry and biology at the ninth and 10th grade levels. And that has wow. rounded up my me here. <laughs> wow, okay. So so now you get, get to work in the research center with all of those pieces and parts at your disposal. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I do. And some, some of the things that I really look forward to in this new role is just really increasing our local school outreach, just being that bridge of connecting the public school as well as the private school system to private organizations within the community. I'm very enthusiastic about interfacing and interconnecting just with the fabric of our community and helping everyone to have some experience with the diverse array of programs that we offer at Mariah Mitchell and just connecting them with the educational opportunity so that they can explore and enjoy learning by doing. You know, you've now been here, you know, six weeks or so. Mm -hmm. what, what have you been surprised by and what have you really enjoyed so far? I would say that I'm most surprised by how many events that we participate in. That is definitely a new page for me, but I think that I've jumped in and I've been super enthusiastic about just getting my hands dirty and getting my hands wet, helping however I can while I'm learning. It's just what everyone does, how everyone fits into the role of, you know, promoting the legacy of Mariah Mitchell. And I am genuinely most excited about uncovering every single item that we have in our collections, which is very expansive. And I've only covered probably about 118th of it so far, but I'm really excited to see what else we have housed in our special collections, because I'm just so very fascinated by how we preserve specimens and just use them for educational purposes. That's something that I didn't have experience with before. So I'm most, most enthusiastic about learning from Julia Blythe, the entire collections process, how do we intake and process good specimens and how then do we store them appropriately and then take care of them and curate them appropriately so that we can have them for a really, really long time as an educational tool. Yeah, I also am fascinated by all that. And I think it's so amazing, you know, the, the, the range of the herbarium and the mm -hmm. insects and shells and the butterflies and the birds. Is there one particular specimen that you've come across so far that you've loved? Actually, so during this most recent Shark Week, when we collaborated with Caroline Colados, we unearthed, rather, this shark species, and I forget exactly the genus and the precise nomenclature for it, but it was the remains of a shark that was actually caught off of Great Point back in the 1940s that we need to top off the pres <laughs> preservation fluids at this point, but that one really fascinated me. One, because of its age. Two, because it is 
a specimen that is local to Nantucket. And it's also something that you don't get to see up close because for the life of me, I grew up in the water, but I respect the ocean so much. So being able to see a shark that close, even though it's not alive, just it had this, I, the words escaping me right now, but it just had this connectedness to it that helped me connect even more to the fabric of this island in just a unique way. So I would say so far, in addition to the monarchs that we have pinned that live in my office right now, I'm really fond of definitely the shark as well as the pinned monarchs because they just got added to the endangered red list by the IUBC, IUCN rather. I know. I, I, I think all of that work in terms of the species and and doing the analyzing and data collection and observing mm -hmm. of all of it is just so fascinating. Uh, I don't know if people or, or our listeners, I should say, really understand that people call us, you know, all week long, sometimes multiple times a day with their incredible finds all over Nantucket. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we try to help them like could we use this as a species? Should it be processed? Should it be added to our collection? Right. Um, and we've also now had some um, fun and exciting animal <laughs> animal stories, haven't we, Janelle? Yes, we have. Our ribbon snake as well as our garter snake both recently gave birth. And when our ribbon snake gave birth, Two weeks ago, we were able to release some of the babies back to the wild as they should be so that they can, you know, interact with their environment in the best way possible, as well as when our garter snake just gave birth, it was perfect timing when we had a few school groups in from summer school this past week and they were able to be able to witness what it looks like what a snake giving birth looks like so i think that that was a really unique and special experience we've had a lot of interesting <laughs> specimen stories we have a bullfrog right now that she needs to work on eating and we had chad and then we lost chad <laughs> yes we did. we did but it's okay chad chad is in a better place Chad's in a better place. Now tell tell me what's happened with the um, turtle with the shell issue. The turtle with the shell issue. I That one I am not fully abreast on. I will be oh. transparent. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to the snakes for a moment because, okay. you know, when we acquired these snakes, how do you, how do you know what, if a snake is having babies, right? Like, how do you, how do you know, or did you know that they were going to we did not know that the snake was pregnant and that she was about to give birth. It was just, it's one of those things where when you do have the specimen, you look for different behavioral patterns. And we were able to tell with the garter snake most recently that she was being a little bit more skittish as opposed to more friendly, how she has been, because she's a snake that we've had for a little bit longer this season. Our ribbon snake was always a little flitty, so it was really hard to differentiate if her flitty behavior was because she was scared of being handled or if it was because she was pregnant and gestational. So we just, we kind we more so look at those behavioral patterns. How are they interacting with us as a species? How are they interacting with their environments to see if there are any telltale signs that they're about to give birth? we discovered that her skittish behavior was because she was in fact pregnant and getting ready to nest and give birth. So, wow, that's super exciting. Let's see what other questions do I have for you today? What's coming up in terms of programs at the Mariah Mitchell that you'd like to chat about? 
In terms of programs that are coming up, chat about, I think, you know, just getting more publicity out there. We have a visiting scientist right now, Dr. Rich Blundell, that's getting ready, who rather is getting ready to offer a month-long course on Oika for Earthlings, connecting big history to ecology. And I think that I'm just really excited to dive into the topics that he will explore over the next five weeks. And that would be my biggest focus right now is just making sure that Rich is supported and that we can help him interface with the community just to help our earth heal a little bit more because I think his message is really prolific and important and everyone should be exposed to it. What is your sort of vision for how we're going to engage with the schools? My vision is with me understanding a little bit more closely exactly how the school is run in terms of what do classroom teachers actually need, where do they need support, and coming in to facilitate that support for them. I think that is an asset for us as an organization, being able to step in and say, hey, how can we meet you where you need to be met so that the overall goal of our kids being educated is accomplished? I would say from the school outreach piece, it just takes someone understanding the intricacies, especially of the public schools, to be able to go in, get their hands dirty and say, I know that you are swamped with a million and 10 things as a teacher, but this is how we can support you and we can make it happen. And we have the tools and the skill sets to make that happen. That's great. That's really exciting. In terms of what, you know, the other resources we have in the research center, mm-hmm. why don't we just run through that? In terms of the resources that we have? Yeah, I was, yes, I was thinking about the telescopes, right? Yep. So we have telescopes, we have microscopes, we have an incredible wide open lab space where we can have the community come in and utilize just beyond a study space. We can really create programming to help kids connect what they learn in a classroom, that theory, to real life. And I think that that's something that we need to leverage as an organization, that we have the talent in terms of our employees who work with Mariah Mitchell, and we can leverage some of the physical, tangible resources that we have along with that human capital to connect our kids to a world that they don't typically get to experience often enough. Our kids live 30 miles out to sea, and they already have the challenge of not having access to a lot of the resources that students from off-island especially have. And as an organization, we really can connect them to the wider world beyond Nantucket. Well, I am very excited and and looking forward to see all the great things that you'll bring to the organization. And I very much appreciate your sharing your time with me this afternoon. I am Joanna Roach. We are with the Mariah Mitchell Association. I've been speaking to Janelle Gurley, who is our new director of science and programs. And you have all been listening to The Nature of Nantucket. Thank you for joining me today.